of the Battle of Poitiers between the Prince of Wales and the French King. By Jean Froissart. When the prince saw that he should have battle and that the cardinal was gone without any peace or truce making, and saw that the French king did set but little store by him, he said then to his men, Now, sirs, though we be but a small company as in regard to the puissance of our enemies, let us not be abashed therefore, for the victory leath not in the multitude of people, but whereas God will send it. If it fortune that the journey be ours, we shall be the most honored people of all the world. And if we die in our right quarrel, I have the king my father and brethren, and also ye have good friends and kinsmen, these shall revenge us. Therefore, sirs, for God's sake I require you do your devoir this day, for if God be pleased and St. George, this day ye shall see me a good knight. These words and such other that the prince spake comforted all his people. The Lord Sir John Chandos that day never went from the prince, nor also the Lord James Audley of a great season, but when he saw that they should needs fight, he said to the prince, Sir, I have served always truly my lord your father and you also, and shall do as long as I live. I say this because I made once a vow that the first battle that other the king your father or any of his children should be at, how that I would be one of the first setters on, one or else to die in the pain. Therefore I require your grace, as in reward for any service that ever I did to the king your father or to you, that you will give me license to depart from you and to set myself there as I may accomplish my vow. The prince accorded to his desire and said, Sir James, God give you this day that grace to be the best knight of all other, and so took him by the hand. Then the knight departed from the prince and went to the foremost front of all the battles, all only accompanied with four squires, who promised not to fail him. This Lord James was a right sage and a valiant knight, and by him was much of the host ordained and governed the day before. Thus Sir James was in front of the battle ready to fight with the battle of the marshals of France. In likewise the Lord Eustace d'Aubrechicourt did his pain to be one of the foremost to set on. When Sir James Audley began to set forward to his enemies, it fortuned to Sir Eustace d'Aubrechicourt as ye shall hereafter. Ye have heard before how the Almains in the French host were appointed to be still a horseback. Sir Eustace being a horseback laid his spear in the rest and ran into the French battle, and then a knight of Almain, called the Lord Louis of Recombes, who bare a shield silver, five roses gules, and Sir Eustace bare ermines, two branches of gules, when this Almain saw the Lord Eustace come from his company, he rode against him and they met so rudely, that both knights fell to the earth. The Almain was hurt in the shoulder, therefore he rose not so quickly as did Sir Eustace, who when he was up and had taken his breath, he came to the other knight as he lay on the ground, but then five other knights of Almain came on him all at once and bare him to the earth, and so perforce there he was taken prisoner and brought to the Earl of Nassau, who was then took not heed of him, and I cannot say whether they swear him prisoner or no, but they tied him to a chair and there let him stand. Then the battle began on all parts, and the battles of the marshals of France approached, and they set forth that were appointed to break the array of the archers. They entered a horseback into the way where the great hedges were on both sides set full of archers. As soon as the men of arms entered, the archers began to shoot on both sides and did slay and hurt horses and knights, so that the horses when they felt the sharp arrows they would in no wise go forward, but drew aback and flang and took on so fiercely, that many of them fell on their masters, so that for press they could not rise again, insomuch that the marshal's battle could never come at the prince. Certain knights and squires that were well horsed passed through the archers and thought to approach to the prince, but they could not. 
The Lord James Audley with his four squires was in the front of that battle and there did marvels in arms, and by great prowess he came and fought with Sir Arnold Dodraham under his own banner, and there they fought long together and Sir Arnold was there sore handled. The battle of the marshals began to disorder by reason of the shot of the archers with the aid of the men of arms, who came in among them and slew of them and did what they list, and there was the Lord Arnold Dodraham taken prisoner by other men than by Sir James Audley or by his four squires, for that day he never took prisoner, but always fought and went on his enemies. Also on the French party the Lord John Claremont fought under his own banner as long as he could endure. But there he was beaten down and could not be relieved nor ransomed, but was slain without mercy. Some said it was because of the words that he had the day before to Sir John Chandos. So within a short space the marshal's battles were discomfited, for they fell one upon another and could not go forth, and the Frenchmen that were behind and could not get forward reculed back and came on the battle of the Duke of Normandy, the which was great and thick and were afoot, but anon they began to open behind. For when they knew that the marshal's battle was discomfited, they took their horses and departed, he that might best. Also they saw a rout of Englishmen coming down a little mountain a horseback, and many archers with them, who break in on the side of the duke's battle. True to say, the archers did their company that day great advantage, for they shot so thick that the Frenchmen wist not on what side to take heed, and little and little the Englishmen won ground on them. And when the men of arms of England saw that the marshal's battle was discomfited and that the duke's battle began to disorder and open, they leapt then on their horses, the which they had ready by them, then they assembled together and cried, St. George. Guyenne. And the Lord Chando said to the prince, Sir, take your horse and ride forth. This journey is yours. God is this day in your hands. Get us to the French king's battle, for there leath all the sore of the matter. I think verily by his valiantness he will not fly. I trust we shall have him by the grace of God and St. George, so he be well fought withal, and, sir, I heard you say that this day I should see you a good knight. The prince said, Let us go forth, ye shall not see me this day return back, and said, Advance, banner, in the name of God and of St. George. The knight that bare it did his commandment, there was then a sore battle and a perilous, and many a man overthrown, and he that was once down could not be relieved again without great succor and aid. As the prince rode and entered in among his enemies, he saw on his right hand in a little bush lying dead the Lord Robert of Duras and his banner by him, and a ten or twelve of his men about him. Then the prince said to two of his squires and to three archers, Sirs, take the body of this knight on a targa and bear him to Poitiers, and present him from me to the Cardinal of Perigord, and say how I salute him by that token. And this was done. The prince was informed that the cardinal's men were on the field against him, the which was not pertaining to the right order of arms, for men of the church that cometh and goeth for treaty of peace ought not by reason to bear harness nor to fight for neither of the parties, they ought to be indifferent, and because these men had done so, the prince was displeased with the cardinal, and therefore he sent unto him his nephew the Lord Robert of Duras dead. And the chatelaine of Ampost was taken, and the prince would have had his head stricken off, because he was pertaining to the cardinal, but then the Lord Chando said, Sir, suffer for a season, intend to a greater matter, and peradventure the cardinal will make such excuse that ye shall be content. Then the prince and his company dressed them on the battle of the Duke of Athens, constable of France. There was many a man slain and cast to the earth. As the Frenchmen fought in companies, they cried, Mountjoy. Saint Denis, and the Englishman, Saint George. Guyenne. 
Anon the prince with his company met with the Battle of Almains, whereof the Earl of Cerebric, the Earl Nassa and the Earl Nidiv were captains, but in a short space they were put to flight. The archers shot so wholly together that none durst come in their dangers. They slew many a man that could not come to no ransom. These three earls was their slain, and divers other knights and squires of their company, and there was the Lord Dobrechicourt rescued by his own men and set on horseback, and after he did that day many feats of arms and took good prisoners. When the Duke of Normandy's battle saw the prince approach, they thought to save themselves, and so the Duke and the King's children, the Earl of Poitiers and the Earl of Terrain, who were right young, believed their governors and so departed from the field, and with them more than eight hundred spears that strake no stroke that day. Howbeit the Lord Guichard d'Angle and the Lord John of Saintre, who were with the Earl of Poitiers, would not fly, but entered into the thickest press of the battle. The king's three sons took the way to Chauvigny, and the Lord John of Landes and the Lord Thibault of Vaudenay, who were set to await on the Duke of Normandy, when they had brought the Duke a long league from the battle, then they took leave of the Duke and desired the Lord of St. Venant that he should not leave the Duke, but to bring him in safeguard, whereby he should win more thank of the king than to abide still in the field. Then they met also the Duke of Orleans and a great company with him, who were also departed from the field with clear hands, there were many good knights and squires though that their masters departed from the field, yet they had rather a died than to have had any reproach. Then the king's battle came on the Englishmen. There was a sore fight and many a great stroke given and received. The king and his youngest son met with the battle of the English marshals, the Earl of Warwick and the Earl of Suffolk, and with them of Gascons the capital of Book, the Lord of Pommiers, the Lord Amory of Tastes, the Lord of Musidan, the Lord of Languerin and the Lord de la Trau. To the French party there came time enough the Lord John of Landes and the Lord of Vaudenay. They alighted afoot and went into the king's battle, and a little beside fought the Duke of Athens, constable of France, and a little above him the Duke of Bourbon and many good knights of Bourbonus and of Picardy with him, and a little on the one side there were the Poitevins, the Lord de Pons, the Lord of Partenay, the Lord of Damartin, the Lord of Tanay Bouton, the Lord of Sergiers, the Lord John Saintre, the Lord Guichard d'Angle, the Lord Argentin, the Lord of Liniers, the Lord of Montandre and divers other, also the Viscount of Rochechouart and the Earl of Ani, and of Burgoyne the Lord James of Beaujou, the Lord de Chateau-Villain and other, in another part there was the Earl of Ventador and of Montpensier, the Lord James of Bourbon, the Lord John d'Artois and also the Lord James his brother, the Lord Arnold of Servals called the Archpriest, armed for the young Earl of Alencon, and of Auvergne there was the Lord of Mercour, the Lord de la Tour, the Lord of Chalencon, the Lord of Montaigu, the Lord of Rockfort, the Lord Dasher, the Lord de Caen, and of Limousine there was the Lord de Melville, the Lord of Maroy, the Lord of Pierre Buffier, and of Picardy there was the Lord William of Nessel, the Lord Arnold of Rainville, the Lord Geoffrey of Saint Dizier, the Lord of Chani, the Lord of Heli, the Lord of Monceau, the Lord of Hangest and divers other, and also in the King's battle there was the Earl Douglas of Scotland, who fought a season right valiantly, but when he saw the discomfiture, he departed and saved himself, for in no wise he would be taken of the Englishmen, he had rather been their slain. On the English part the Lord James Audley with the aid of his four squires fought always in the chief of the battle, he was sore hurt in the body and in the visage, as long as his breath served him he fought, at last at the end of the battle his four squires took and brought him out of the field and laid him under a hedge side for to refresh him, and they unarmed him and bound up his wounds as well as they could. On the French party king John was that day a full right good knight, 
If the fourth part of his men had done their devoir as well as he did, the journey had been his by all likelihood. Howbeit they were all slain and taken that were there, except a few that saved themselves, that were with the king. There was slain the Duke Peter of Bourbon, the Lord Guichard of Beaujeu, the Lord of Landes, and the Duke of Athens, Constable of France, the Bishop of Chalonne in Champagne, the Lord William of Nessel, the Lord Eustace of Ribmont, the Lord de la Tour, the Lord William of Montaigu, Sir Gris Mouton of Chambly, Sir Baudrin de la Hughes, and many other, as they fought by companies, and there were taken prisoners the Lord of Vaudenay, the Lord of Pompadour, and the Archpriest, Sir Hurt, the Earl of Vaudemont, the Earl of Mons, the Earl of Joinville, the Earl of Vendôme, Sir Louis of Melville, the Lord Pierre Buffier and the Lord of Serignac, there were at that brunt, slain and taken more than two hundred knights. Of two Frenchmen that fled from the Battle of Poitiers and two Englishmen that followed them. Among the battles, recounterings, chases and pursuits that were made that day in the field, it fortuned so to Sir Udart of Renty that when he departed from the field because he saw the field was lost without recovery, he thought not to abide the danger of the Englishmen, wherefore he fled all alone and was gone out of the field a league, and an English knight pursued him and ever cried to him and said, Return again, Sir Knight, it is a shame to fly away thus. Then the knight turned, and the English knight thought to have stricken him with his spear in the targa, but he failed, for Sir Udart swerved aside from the stroke, but he failed not the English knight, for he strake him such a stroke on the helm with his sword, that he was astonied and fell from his horse to the earth and lay still. Then Sir Udart alighted and came to him or he could rise, and said, Yield you, rescue or no rescue, or else I shall slay you. The Englishman yielded and went with him, and afterward was ransomed. Also i.e. fortune that another squire of Picardy called John de Helaines was fled from the battle and met with his page, who delivered him a new fresh horse, whereon he rode away alone. The same season there was in the field the Lord Berkeley of England, a young lusty knight, who the same day reared his banner, and he all alone pursued the said John of Helaines. And when he had followed the space of a league, the said John turned again and laid his sword in the rest instead of of spear, and so came running toward the Lord Berkeley, who lift up his sword to have stricken the squire, but when he saw the stroke come, he turned from it, so that the Englishman lost his stroke and John strake him as he passed on the arm, that the Lord Berkeley's sword fell into the field. When he saw his sword down, he lighted suddenly off his horse and came to the place where his sword lay, and as he stooped down to take up his sword, the French squire did pike his sword at him, and by hap strake him through both the thighs, so that the knight fell to the earth and could not help himself. And John alighted off his horse and took the knight's sword that lay on the ground, and came to him and demanded if he would yield him or not. The knight then demanded his name. Sir, said he, I hight John of Helaines, but what is your name? Certainly, said the knight, my name is Thomas and am Lord of Berkeley, a fair castle on the river of Severn in the marches of Wales. Well, sir, quoth the squire, then ye shall be my prisoner, and I shall bring you in safe guard and I shall see that you shall be healed of your hurt. Well, said the knight, I am content to be your prisoner, for ye have by law of arms won me. There he swear to be his prisoner, rescue or no rescue. Then the squire drew forth the sword out of the knight's thighs and the wound was open. Then he wrapped and bound the wound and set him on his horse and so brought him fair and easily to Chatelarot, and there tarried more than fifteen days for his sake and did get him remedy for his hurt, and when he was somewhat amended, then he gat him a litter and so brought him at his ease to his house in Picardy. There he was more than a year till he was perfectly whole, 
and when he departed he paid for his ransom six thousand nobles, and so this squire was made a knight by reason of the profit that he had of the Lord Berkeley. How King John was taken prisoner at the Battle of Poitiers. Oftentimes the adventures of amours and of war are more fortunate and marvelous than any man can think or wish. Truly this battle, the which was near to Poitiers in the fields of Beauvoir and Maupachus, was right great and perilous, and many deeds of arms there was done the which all came not to knowledge. The fighters on both sides endured much pain. King John with his own hands did that day marvels in arms, he had an axe in his hands wherewith he defended himself and fought in the breaking of the press. Near to the king there was taken the Earl of Tancarville, Sir Jacques of Bourbon Earl of Ponthu, and the Lord John of Artois Earl of EU, and a little above that under the banner of the capital of Book was taken Sir Charles of Artois and divers other knights and squires. The chase endured to the gates of Poitiers, there were many slain and beaten down, horse and man, for they of Poitiers closed their gates and would suffer none to enter, wherefore in the street before the gate was horrible murder, men hurt and beaten down. The Frenchmen yielded themselves as far off as they might know an Englishman. There were divers English archers that had four, five or six prisoners. The Lord of Pons, a great baron of Poitou, was there slain, and many other knights and squires, and there was taken the Earl of Rochechouart, the Lord of Dommartin, the Lord of Partenay, and of Saint-Ange the Lord of Montandre and the Lord John of Saint-Tre, but he was so sore hurt that he had never health after, he was reputed for one of the best knights in France. And there was left for dead among other dead men the Lord Guichard Dangle, who fought that day by the king right valiantly, and so did the Lord of Charna, on whom was great press, because he bare the sovereign banner of the kings, his own banner was also in the field, the which was of gules, three scutcheon silver. So many Englishmen and Gascons come to that part, that perforce they opened the king's battle, so that the Frenchmen were so mingled among their enemies that sometimes there was five men upon one gentleman. There was taken the Lord of Pompadour and one the Lord Bartholomew de Burgersh, and there was slain Sir Geoffrey of Charna with the king's banner in his hands, also the Lord Reynold Cobham slew the Earl of Dommartin. Then there was a great press to take the king, and such as knew him cried, Sir, yield you, or else ye are but dead. There was a knight of St. Omer's, retained in wages with the King of England, called Sir Dennis Morbeck, who had served the Englishman five year before, because in his youth he had forfeited the realm of France for a murder that he did at St. Omer's. It happened so well for him, that he was next to the king when they were about to take him. He stepped forth into the press, and by strength of his body and arms he came to the French king and said in good French, Sir, yield you. The king beheld the knight and said, To whom shall I yield me? Where is my cousin the Prince of Wales? If I might see him, I would speak with him. Dennis answered and said, Sir, he is not here, but yield you to me and I shall bring you to him. Who be you? quoth the king. Sir, quoth he, I am Dennis of Morbeck, a knight of Artois, but I serve the king of England because I am banished the realm of France and I have forfeited all that I had there. Then the king gave him his right gauntlet, saying, I yield me to you. There was a great press about the king, for every man enforced him to say, I have taken him, so that the king could not go forward with his young son the Lord Philip with him because of the press. The Prince of Wales, who was courageous and cruel as a lion, took that day great pleasure to fight and to chase his enemies. The Lord John Chandos, who was with him, of all that day never left him nor never took heed of taking of any prisoner. Then at the end of the battle he said to the prince, 
Sir, it were good that you rested here and set your banner a high in this bush, that your people may draw hither, for they be sore spread abroad, nor I can see no more banners nor pennons of the French party. Wherefore, sir, rest and refresh you, for ye be sore chafed. Then the prince's banner was set up a high on a bush, and trumpets and clarions began to sown. Then the prince did off his bassnet, and the knights for his body and they of his chamber were ready about him, and a red pavilion pied up, and then drink was brought forth to the prince and for such lords as were about him, the which still increased as they came from the chase, there they tarried and their prisoners with them. And when the two marshals were come to the prince, he demanded of them if they knew any tiding of the French king. They answered and said, Sir, we hear none of certainty, but we think verily he is other dead or taken, for he is not gone out of the battles. Then the prince said to the Earl of Warwick and to Sir Reynold Cobham, Sirs, I require you go forth and see what ye can know, that at your return ye may show me the truth. These two lords took their horses and departed from the prince and rode up a little hill to look about them. Then they perceived a flock of men of arms coming together right wearily. There was the French king afoot in great peril, for Englishmen and Gascons were his masters, they had taken him from Sir Denis Morbic perforce, and such as were most of force said, I have taken him. Nay, quoth another, I have taken him, so they strave which should have him. Then the French king, to eschew that peril, said, Sirs, strive not, lead me courteously, and my son, to my cousin the prince, and strive not for my taking, for I am so great a lord to make you all rich. The king's words somewhat appeased them, howbeit ever as they went they made riot and brawled for the taking of the king. When the two foresaid lords saw and heard that noise and strife among them, they came to them and said, Sirs, what is the matter that ye strive for? Sirs, said one of them, it is for the French king, who is here taken prisoner, and there be more than ten knights and squires that challengeth the taking of him and of his son. Then the two lords entered into the press and caused every man to draw back, and commanded them in the prince's name on pain of their heads to make no more noise nor to approach the king no nearer, without they were commanded. Then every man gave room to the lords, and they alighted and did their reverence to the king, and so brought him and his son in peace and rest to the Prince of Wales.